everybody. Welcome to another DevOps Decrypted podcast. Um, today we're going to be speaking about the state of DevOps. Um, today um, we've got myself, Romy Greenfield, my colleague Jobin Kravilla, and Lisa Schaefer as well. Um, sadly, Matt can't be with us today. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, everyone. Cool. So let's get on to it. We've released a, a state of Atlassian report um, and we've got some key takeaways from that but let's start with speaking about the state of DevOps. Has anyone got any input on that? Yeah it was really interesting right because I think Adaptive as a company had been released in the state of Atlassian report for a few years already and this is the first time DevOps made it into the report and that, that I found was really interesting. Uh, that, of course, means that, you know, DevOps is becoming a critical strategy for not just adaptivists, at last in as well, and um, probably for the whole world right now. So I found that very interesting. don't know what others think about it. Yeah, I think Atlassian has made uh, great strides in uh, including uh, some of those uh, sort of tools to support their DevOps journey. Yeah, so that kind of brings me on to the fact that a lot of uh, large enterprises seem to be adopting um, DevOps practices? No, not surprising, right? I mean, obviously, the first question that uh, adaptivists asked uh, people was, you know, uh, what are the kind of uh, organizations who are adopting DevOps these days? And, you know, uh, large enterprises, uh, unsurprisingly, continue to be the biggest adopter. Um, I think that actually goes very well with what we are saying internally as well. Uh, from our consultants' point of view, most of the organizations that we work with uh, for DevOps engagements are definitely large enterprises. Um, so I, I think it matches. It matches with what we have seen. Um, it, it's good to note, though, um, why why are we moving towards a a a, a DevOps uh, way of working? Um, why is DevOps strategy important to larger organizations? And to to also realize that you know there's, there's a lot of uh, need to automate those mundane um, tasks that that cost a lot of money, uh, and so re- reducing the the manual work that needs to be done um, is is a large driver for for larger organizations. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, there is actually um, a separate poll that we have conducted to identify what are the biggest drivers for, um, mm-hmm. you know, adoption of DevOps. Um, yeah. That then shows us why large enterprises are adopting it more. But I think, you know, uh, we had this conversation last time when Matt was here uh, talking about ECTCA yes. to adopt DevOps in a startup versus, you know, large enterprises. And mm-hmm. we all agreed that mm-hmm. it's actually harder to adopt DevOps in a larger enterprise. Uh, if it was like a startup, then, you know, the person who is implementing it, you know, they they can easily convince others, you know, it's a small group. Uh, and yeah. there is not actually a lot of difficulty in implementing what somebody comes up with. Uh, as opposed to large enterprises where, you know, the culture could be, you know, resistant to something like uh, Agile or DevOps. And, you know, it takes a lot, probably a top-down approach from the management uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, let everybody adopt um, something as big as Agile or DevOps. I think probably if you look at the past few years or even the last decade, DevOps had been a thing for the last one decade. Right? And uh, enterprises have started adopting it more and more. 
in the last few years because you know people had been seeing the advantages of you know uh, adopting something like devops and although they stayed away from it uh, in the initial few years now they're starting to you know coming uh, mm. more, more to it i think mm-hmm. yeah i feel like when when something's been out for a certain period of time that's when the big companies are right okay the early adopters have taken all of the hits for us and so we've got some more information now and now yeah. we're ready to try and take it on exactly now now we see the value right plus we also mm. have some learnings that which we can take away from you know the previous adopters or the early adopters uh, it, yeah. it's the perfect strategy i guess yeah <laughs> i think it goes back to the the culture of the companies because if you if you look at those startups that they're a lot more um uh they're a lot more keen to to try the bleeding edge technology and uh to to fail quickly fail fast and they can redirect if, as they go whereas large organizations it costs a lot of money to fail and and redirect uh, and sometimes it takes long periods of time uh to redirect uh, a, a good analogy is um the, the titanic so how how much effort does it take to turn a Titanic versus a small ski boat? That, that's an interesting point because that brings me to uh, a key observation in the report, which says, you know, uh, verticals like automotive, energy, and manufacturing organizations, they are the slowest to adopt. Um, they are the Titanics, right? They are the yeah, slowest exactly. to adopt something like DevOps. Uh, but what also stood out was, you know, they have the highest future adoption intention. So they do want to adopt it. Uh, which is what was standing out. Uh, obviously, right now, lack of skills and budget constraints cited as the biggest issues, why they are not adopting it. But I think it's because they are titanic, as you said. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, uh, a lot of red tape to get through. Uh, and, and, and leadership buy-in, if you go back to sort of the, um, you know, how, how do we uh, attack rolling out the scaled agile framework? Because obviously that's one of the building blocks to get, get into DevOps. Or a DevOps culture, um, you know, if you don't have that leadership buy-in, try, trying to have the rest of the organization move uh, is very difficult. And like you were saying uh, earlier, Jovan, you know, those small startups, it's easier to convince and um, sh- show the value quickly in a smaller company versus a, a really large company where you can't necessarily always get to those C-level type people to convince them of that value. Um, uh, you know, in the report, it states that you know some some businesses cite that uh, you know, the lack of a tangible business value mm-hmm. uh, was was missing and and was a deterrent for moving to something like a DevOps way of working. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the verticals, as I said, you know, the bigger uh, companies and the industries like automotive, energy, manufacturing, as we said earlier, uh, there's a lot to adopt, and it makes sense. But one thing that was that didn't make any sense to me was, you know, in terms of regions, for some reason the Americas actually have a faster adoption to DevOps, and the Europe is still lagging behind. I was actually planning to, you know, make fun of Matt uh, if he goes here, but uh, unfortunately <laughs> he's not. I'm, I'm thinking probably we should make uh, fun of Romy. Romy, what's the reason? Why do you think UK is so slow for everything? I mean, <laughs> you don't know the metric system, the right one. <laughs> <laughs> We're slow because we like to queue. We like to wait wait our turn for things. <laughs> so we, you know, we're just all lining up one by one. Whereas the Americans, they're just hoarding at the shop front. <laughs> but but it was an interesting thing that came up. Uh, I mean, for some reason, uh, UK seems to be suffering the most from budget constraints and was 
that was the biggest barrier for adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, Americas are showing the highest adoption rate um, if you compare it with the UK or the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with the economies. Probably. <laughs> I don't want to say too much. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the I'm sure the pandemic has had a big impact. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Uh, but looking at looking at how how the world is split, uh, we can see that not 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 the world actually how the entire recipients of this survey were split. You can see that less than ten percent, only less than ten percent said we are not ready for DevOps to be part of our strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. about fifty to sixty percent said we have already implemented a DevOps strategy, and the rest of the people they said we are hoping to implement a DevOps strategy in the next three years. I mean that's huge, right? I mean only less than ten percent of the companies that we interviewed said mm-hmm. we do not want to have DevOps as part of our strategy. So things are looking promising. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like on the on the regions as well. Um, I, I think over half of our respondents were based in Europe as well, so that could skew mm-hmm. the figures a little bit. But um, general t- trends speaking, yes, definitely. Uh, um, and in terms of um, why did you decide to implement the DevOps strategy, which was the next question, you know, there were, mm-hmm. there were different answers to it. And the biggest drivers, if you start looking at it, the first one is very obvious. Uh, people want to automate yes. manual workflows. And I think that is one of the reasons why everybody wants to, you know, implement a pipeline, a DevOps pipeline. They want to automate as much as they can. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of resonates with what we have seen while we are going to um, customers implementing uh, DevOps as well, because it all starts with a conversation around, uh, you know, we have Jenkins or we have this tool, we are doing some automation. Uh, how can you help us, you know, improve it? Yeah, we have a couple of folks who are doing it, installing the tool and configuring it, but that's not going to scale well. So how can you help us scale that to an enterprise level? That's where it all starts. So I think it makes perfect sense that, you know, automating manual workflows, that's one of the biggest drivers for adoption of DevOps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about automating other things? Jervin, do you have any thoughts on that? So. Every every DevOps the thought thought leader um, that I that I follow or or know of uh, you know has has a a catchphrase of automate all the things <laughs> and uh, they and and I get that uh, you know we we live in we live in a uh, society where we want instant gratification yeah and and that definitely um, you know flows over into the DevOps realm where we want to automate all the things. Yes, we do. So what else can we automate outside of, you know? The manual workflows. Uh, I mean, if, if, you, if you think yeah. about the past, you know, people were thinking about DevOps as CA and CD, right? Continuous integration, continuous deployment. And most of the 50 percentage that we earlier talked about who have already adopted DevOps, I am pretty sure they already have some kind of pipelines for CI and CD already within their organization. And that's why mm-hmm. they think we already have adopted DevOps as a strategy, right? Now, if you look at the uh, ma- many of the trends in 2021, for example, you will see that infrastructure has scored, automating your infrastructure, that's fast becoming one of the emerging trends of DevOps, uh, which was not the case earlier. People only worried about, you know, deployment of the application. Now we are moving ahead and, you know, going to IAC infrastructure as code. 
and then automating all the infrastructure that we can, which includes, you know, probably creating separate environments for, you know, the branches that you're working on, right? Ephemeral environments, which leave only for a short period of time, uh, which can then be taken down after testing in that particular environment is done. So all of that is right now happening. So automating not just the application deployment, but, you know, your infrastructure, um, how you how you feed it back to um, the developers using maybe chat ops by sending messages into Slack. So many different ways that we are uh, doing automation. And I believe those emerging trends like chat ops, data ops, AI ops, whatever you want to call it, all, all things ops, actually we, we made it into the report as well because those are some of the things that we expect to see in the coming years in the uh, state of Alaskan report or DevOps trends. Um, yeah, so automate as much as you can, right? But it all starts with, you know, baby steps, as we said uh, yes, in our previous call, right? Um, so start by automating the manual workflows, which is what is still the biggest driver. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the fast, the second one, I'm, I'm just looking at the report right now. The second one is the faster development cycles, uh, which is again interesting because it then speaks to Agile as well, right? Uh, because if you look at the development community, we already figured that you know shorter cycles, small iterations, two-week sprints, uh, that actually gives us more value compared to you know a two-month sprint or or two months waiting two months to you know take the product into uh, the, uh, in front of the customer. Uh, if you think really about it. You can do all development you want and you can iterate on two weeks, but unless it makes it into production, uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're still lagging mm -hmm. behind. So how can you have faster development as well as release cycles? That's where DevOps yeah. come in. So that is the second most driver for DevOps adoption. And next yeah. I almost feel like uh, it shouldn't be, you know, uh, um, you know, having, having a sprint or shorter sprints to... Uh, develop faster. It almost should be we want to provide business value faster. Oh, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. And that is why there is another emerging trend here: value stream mapping, right, or value stream management. So you're basically identifying the value first. What is actually giving value to the customer, and then you want to limit the wastage. So if you take a look at any pipeline, you can see that certain stages there is wastage. Wastage in terms of time, waiting for an approval, a lot of different things which doesn't directly add value to the customer. So you have to first identify that value and then yeah. do a value stream mapping and then you know, reduce wastage um, by figuring out you know, how we can cut short those cycles and uh, produce only what is essentially needed for the next downstream stage, right? <laughs> We've spoken about a lot of moving parts here, um, and and we kind of kicked off saying, you know, uh, some of the questions that were asked, um, namely, you know, do you have a DevOps strategy? Uh, you mentioned one thing about starting small, but how do how do organizations um, start with a strategy? Is it just waking up one day and saying, okay, I, I need to be DevOps, or how would you, are there any key uh, nuggets of, of wisdom that you can give to organizations to say, um, I want to develop a DevOps strategy, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how to start? 
I think that is where we come up with something called DevOps maturity assessment. Uh, you know, we have spoken about it and uh, we are actually planning to speak about in, it in detail in one of our podcasts. Um, so basically, every every customer, every organization has a different reason why they want to do DevOps, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. everybody wants to, you know, uh, do things faster, take uh, bring business value faster to the customer, but they are facing different problems. And the first thing we need to identify is, okay, what is the problem that your organization is facing, right? Uh, if, mm-hmm. if, if we go back to the report, and if you take a look at um, all the different reasons people cited, automating manual yeah. workflows is one thing, right? But what are the other problems that they're trying to solve? Better coordination among teams was uh, across teams. That was the third highest one. Um, so okay. obviously, some in some cases, it's because of the lack of collaboration that things are not moving fast. And they see mm-hmm. DevOps as a way to, you know, uh, bring better coordination across teams, uh, improve time to market, which is an obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. You, you uh, reduce the development cycles and, you know, you deliver faster, that improves the time to market. A, a consistency of approach is another one. So there are different teams within your organization. Some is following a different uh, strategy, another one's following a completely different strategy. So there is no consistency across teams. That could be another reason why you wanted to adopt DevOps, right? Um, yeah. Increased visibility across the entire organization that brings us back to you know monitoring how you see from the top hierarchy, how is my teams doing and how I can get visibility across the different teams, right? Uh, so there's no no one particular reason that will yeah. you know make you adopt DevOps. It could be different. So what we as consultants typically do is, you know, we go to the customer, we identify, okay, what are your reasons, right? How can yeah. we help there? So for that, you have to do a proper maturity assessment. And maybe when you do that, you'll figure out that, hey, they also need some help with their agility, right? Maybe they need to scale their agile performance. Uh, organization so we might have to do some agile mentoring workshops right that mm-hmm. that probably is going to be the first thing that we do there uh, so it, it's all about talking and identifying what that organization is struggling with and then figuring out mm-hmm. a strategy for them there, there's no yeah. one size that fits all yeah yeah thanks that, that's great that input uh, i i find it very interesting that uh uh you know Im- improved time to market wasn't a higher percentage you just reached just over 50 percent versus the automate uh, manual work workflows uh, mm-hmm. at around uh, just over 80 percent of the reason why uh, organizations want to implement DevOps strategy I think it goes back to you know where are you seeing the most value right if you think really mm-hmm. about it uh, you probably will see a lot of value as soon as you reduce the manual workflows because most of the time wastage happens when you're waiting for one um, person to approve your workflow. Like for example, yes. you're developing every two weeks, you're, you're um, packaging it properly, you have a continuous integration build which does you know, build, test, and then package it. It gets deployed into development environment, it gets deployed in the integration environment. That is all happening really fast. But then somebody from the QA team has to come and approve it before it can be then deployed to staging or production, right? And yeah. for that particular uh, workflow alone, it can take days before the QA team comes back and then, you know, approves it because they're doing some manual testing and so, so, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Just by reducing that, 
you may be going from you know deploying into production from six weeks to down to two weeks or three weeks. You, you just you know seeing a lot of value there. So that is probably the reason why a lot of people you know give that as the very first uh, reason why they want to adopt uh, DevOps. Mm. So we talked a little bit about the biggest barriers to adoption, um, but there's quite a few in there. And um, in the report says about 23% of respondents um, cited a lack of tangible business benefits as a barrier for DevOps adoption. So do you guys want to discuss a little bit more about why people might not be adopting it? Yeah, I think we were discussing more about why people want to adopt, right? Speaking about mm-hmm. why people do not want to adopt, <laughs> there's quite a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of tangible business benefits, that's an interesting one because I find it hard to believe that people cannot see the value in DevOps adoption. That's probably mm-hmm. a case where we have to educate people. Right? There is a lot of tangible benefits for DevOps adoption. We, we talked about it quite a bit in our last few podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting that it even made to the list. Right? <laughs> But what is even more interesting is the very first one, lack of automation capabilities, right? That mm-hmm. is the highest reason why people do not, uh, people couldn't adopt DevOps. And it's 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 a catch-22, isn't it? Because yeah. we are trying to yeah. automate and the lack of automation is preventing them from, you know, adopting DevOps. Uh, that, that I found very interesting. Um, so I guess, you know, it again goes back to having somebody with the right skills having somebody from adaptives, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, somebody with the right skills to you know help them with um, starting with that automation. And then obviously, once you have that automation going on, they can see the value in what it is bringing to the organization and they will mm-hmm. probably go from there. One of the things that, um, just to add to that, Jevin, one of the things that, I, that I've seen in large organizations is... Um, you know, to automate is easy when you have Greenfield's um, development. Correct. But when you have, but when you have legacy systems, it takes a lot of time and money to go back and automate a legacy system. And what you'll probably find is that the, maybe the reason for that for that answer is that there are already uh, many legacy systems in large organizations, bespoke systems, uh, financial services companies, uh, large banks. Uh, will build their own legacy systems or, or build their own systems, but now they've become legacy and they can't just throw them away. They have to rebuild platforms. And so, you know, taking the time to stop, redirect the development effort back to uh, going to rebuild all of that is just it's just a, a money pit. And so um, a lot of organizations are fearful of adopting this DevOps when they don't have the ability to automate because they've got these, you know, um, uh, older systems that they have to still look after and, and test and release uh, product updates. Uh, that, that is an interesting one, isn't it? Because a lot of the times, as you rightly mentioned, people think when, when they think of DevOps, they think that okay, you can do that only if everything is greenfield, right? Um, move into cloud, for example, move into AWS. People think that, hey, we can move to AWS only if we you know, completely re-architect everything. But if we look at AWS or if you, if you talk to the real AWS consultants, you know, there are different ways you can move to AWS. You know, there is lift and shift. Um, mm-hmm. There is re-architecting, completely re-architecting, so many different ways, right? Obviously, you do not want to be replacing your mainframe systems with serverless architecture on day one, right? That's not exactly mm-hmm. what you want to do. But yeah. 
all these cloud providers, for example, they're coming up with different ways to, you know, maybe host your bigger servers in AWS, for example, on EC2 instances instead of, you know, containerizing it on first day or, you know, writing Lambda functions for it. Uh, so DevOps is not always about, you know, completely re-architecting everything. And more and more, you would even see that there are hybrid approaches happening these days. And that's another reason why DevOps is now becoming popular. You can see increasing adoption because you're not doing DevOps for every single thing. Or maybe you're doing DevOps, but uh, yeah, let's not confuse DevOps with one tool or one cloud vendor, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you are actually doing DevOps, but not specifically for one cloud vendor or one technology. You are doing hybrid approaches where some of your infrastructure might still remain on-prem and some might be in um, cloud. And you might have different CI/CD pipelines deploying into different uh, different places. And some of them might be converted into a microservices architecture, right? Uh, a, a few pieces of the application running as microservices um, uh, using Docker, uh, in Kubernetes, maybe in EKS, maybe uh, in Google Cloud somewhere. Uh, but still, some part of the uh, application still remain on-prem uh, using your old mainframe core. That's still possible, right? That's how you take baby steps. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a great point. I mean, you could you could potentially just automate some of the elements uh, to at least provide that value quicker mm-hmm. uh, than you were in the past. Speaking about the biggest barriers, you know, budget constraints is still one of the biggest barriers. Mm-hmm. You look at the list, you can still see that you know almost forty percent of the people cited budget as one of the reasons why they cannot um, adopt DevOps. Again, it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like a catch twenty two because you know one of the advantages of implementing DevOps is obviously you save money at the end, right? Uh, but it, it is a big shift and it is a cultural shift. You have to implement tools, so you you do need a budget. That could be one reason. It's mostly the biggest enterprises that are adopting DevOps because they have the money and they can set it mm-hmm. aside for you know something like this. Uh, whereas startups, they are still focusing on customer. Uh, they probably do not have the budget to you know do a complete overhaul of their development process unless they started Greenfield, like you were mentioning, right? New yeah, startups yeah. coming up. I am pretty sure everybody has a CI/CD pipeline designed and you know a DevOps strategy in mind. Most of them are probably deploying into AWS or another cloud, under Google Cloud, Azure, where, wherever it is, right? Uh, but for yeah, small companies who were already flying, probably they they do not have a high priority for you know. DevOps, uh, they're, they're still thinking about the customer and you know finding their feet. It's it's interesting that uh, I was just having a look at the at the graph now. Interesting that security concerns was such a low percentage when you know the sort of newest phrase in town is uh, uh, DevSecOps. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that that came in so low, uh, Jovan? Security concerns. No, if, being under five percent. Uh, well, well, if you if you look at it, we, you're looking at the biggest barriers chart. So mm, security yes. concerns not a barrier anymore. So people are not worried about security when they're adopting DevOps. In fact, it's the opposite. They actually want to adopt DevOps because they are more concerned about security, right? And hence the term DevSecOps. So if you take a look at DevSecOps, people are now increasingly concerned about security, whether it is deploying the cloud whether it is implementing on-prem, 
you need to consider security, um, whether it is static analysis or dynamic analysis, checking vulnerabilities, whether it is against Docker containers, whether it is containers running in AWS, right? So that is like one of the primary focus these days. You take a look at any of the biggest um, breaches happened over the last few years. That's all because of you know lack of security, you know implementations uh, in the organizations. And nowadays that is the key focus whenever we start uh, implementing DevOps. So that is why it's still less than five percent. Security concerns is no more a barrier. Everybody uh, want DevOps because you know they're more focused on security. Uh, I, I wanted to just ask a question. So from the uh, from the Atlassian realm, cloud obviously the SaaS platform has been a big thing for them as part of their um, you know growth strategy mm-hmm. over the last few years. Data residency has played a huge role in stopping large organizations from moving to a SaaS platform. Um, are, are you seeing any of that in 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 other? Uh, sort of SaaS platforms and tooling at all? Is is data residency? Uh, it, it is a big problem. And good that you brought it up because that could be one reason Europe is actually a little hesitant because we all know that the data residency uh, rules within Europe is a bit stricter than what we have in the uh, US. Um, that was one reason people actually were slow to adopt Atlas in cloud. And Atlas actually responded well to it. And we have um, more places where you can, you know, um, host your data. And it, it is another security thing, right? I mean, people want their data to be closer to them. They do not want data, uh, you know, in a country uh, that is probably in, in another continent. Um, yeah. So it is it is something that we are seeing. And again, depending on the customer that you work with, depending in the US, you can even see that there are separate cloud for government companies, right? There's a gov cloud, um, so obviously you can see that data where where your data resides and how you're maintaining it. That plays a huge factor in you know adopting SaaS platforms and uh, even even uh, looking at different hosting providers. Looking at uh, the biggest um, constraints or the biggest barriers to DevOps adoption, I do see that change resistant culture. Uh, it's still there, but it is less than thirty percent. And that is a, yeah. that's a positive way of saying it because most of the time we keep saying that DevOps is also a cultural change, but this shows me that you know most of the people realize that now, right? Yeah. Nowadays people already know that DevOps is not just one particular tool. That was the problem in the yes. previous years, but now they are realizing yeah. that it's a cultural shift. And I think also organizations are starting to realize. Um, well, first of all, building that trust that you mentioned earlier about uh, ha- having other companies, uh, you know, be the guinea pig, and now that things have settled down a bit, you know, we can start to adopt it. Um, but also, um, uh, you know, it, it's 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 not that that not that fear anymore um, to to jump in and actually and actually have that that those, that, that cultural change uh, take effect. One thing I found interesting in our report, though, is, you know, when we were questioning the people, there were two different um, target audience. Uh, One was the decision makers, and then the other one was purchasing managers. What I thought was, you know, those two were 
probably thinking alike, right? Purchase managers is middle management, decision makers, probably C-level at six. Um, they're probably thinking alike, but I wonder if some of those survey results would have changed if you were accusing um, the people in DevOps since the boots on ground, right? Probably they might have a different view of, you know, what are the different uh, biggest barriers for adoption. Uh, I, I can give you an example. Uh, in the biggest barriers, um, one of the least barrier was, uh, or the least percentage was about lack of commitment or buy-in from leadership, uh, only 10%. Obviously, if you're asking the leadership, they're going to say that, right? They're going to say that, yeah, yeah. we are not we are yeah. not a barrier anymore. <laughs> but You're not going to self-incriminate. Exactly. Uh, but if you ask people who are boots on the ground, people like me, uh, people yeah. like uh, Fox and my team, they would say that, you know, the l- lack of commitment from leadership is one of the biggest barriers, right? It may not be true for all organizations. Uh, definitely not true for organizations who are adopting DevOps because, you know, they have the buy-in or uh, they have the commitment commitment from the leadership. That's the reason they are adopting DevOps. But for those organizations who are not adopting uh, DevOps, that lack of commitment uh, is probably a big factor uh, as big as budget constraints. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have to agree with you uh, there, Jobin, uh, just you know, from my experience in dealing with uh, DevOps teams uh, or, or teams that, that are just itching to get into the DevOps realm uh, and, and just not getting that buy-in. And, and if you don't get that uh, that buy-in, you don't have that bandwidth uh, or that leeway to, to jump into a DevOps way of working uh, because it means that you're starting to work as a, DevOps organization and cultural changes need to happen and the, the attitude towards it. Uh, it's no longer command and control. It's that, you know, decentralizing decision-making and authority, which, uh, you know, a, a lot of large enterprises, uh, they, they don't want to relinquish that um, down to the lower levels. Yep, indeed. One, one thing I am probably interested in, in the Nets report, maybe, I mean, now that we have talked about what is in the current report, I would like to see what people see as the next emerging trend, right? There are a lot of emerging trends that we can speak to, um, like we spoke about, you know, uh, uh, serverless architecture, for example, right? Um, we, we spoke about DevSecOps. So there are a lot of different emerging trends. I would like to see... In, in, that's what we think, but we are DevOps consultants. We are the people who are experts, right? I would like to see how organizations think about what, what are the different emerging trends. I don't know, Lisa or Romy, if you have a view on it. Uh, what exactly do you think is going to be the next big thing? I've been seeing a lot of murmurings around chat ops, uh, specifically in the sort of IT operations area. Um, and and I'm I'm really keen to see what's going to happen around around that. Seeing a lot of um, uh, sort of vendors starting to build in mm-hmm. uh, chat chat um, functionality into their tooling uh, because collaboration is such an important facet of DevOps. Uh, I would really love to see because I think, I think uh, DevSecOps has kind of been around for a while. It, it's been yeah. Um, uh, but chat ops has not, and I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with that. I've also I saw in the report was uh, GitOps, and uh, I can't seem to remember the other one. But um, data ops or AOPS? Yeah, yeah, AOPS. Um, yeah, I mean chat ops. It's it's I completely agree with you. I mean, especially you would see that you know a company like Salesforce acquired Slack only like six months back. 
they, yeah. they don't do that for no reason, right? I mean, no, exactly. They, they have, exactly. they definitely have a strategy around it, and it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, deeply embedded within their roadmap for the next few years. You, you would, yeah. you have already seen what Microsoft has done with MS Teams. Uh, MS Teams is now deeply integrated with all the different uh, Microsoft uh, applications, including you know Azure mm-hmm. DevOps and everything. Um, so the way chat applications are going to interact with uh, not just other applications, but also with the pipelines, it's going to you know drastically change. Uh, obviously, chat ops is going to be a, an important thing to look out for. And we we are already making strides with our Slack partnership in terms of you know how we can create integrations implement chat uh, in our pipelines, mm-hmm. those kind of things. So we, we are already yeah. looking at we We are ahead of the game, but that's going to be the game. You're right. Yep, yep. Uh, I've also noticed other tools uh, you know, like like Jira. I mean, if you if you want to spin up incidents, et cetera, you can do it right from Slack. Um, there's lots of tools out there that allow you to do those kinds of things. L- lots of and right into your SD, SDK as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you all um, for listening to today's episode. Um, that's all we've got time for. Um, if you want to connect with us on social, you can at Adaptivist um, and let us know what you thought of today's show. Um, but as for now, thank you, um, Tobin and Lisa, for having a good chinwag with me today. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.